A uh, couple of services have been talking about doctrine and um, there's something that's been resonating in my spirit for the last three or four weeks. Um, I don't know how the Lord works with you, but There are times whenever um, the Lord will give us a word or speak to us a thing, and then uh, especially in the prophetic and of that nature, um, it is something that God will speak, but then he continues to speak it. He, uh, the Bible said that we should not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth, it's an ongoing word. And uh, so this, what the Lord has been uh, speaking to me is something that I heard a couple of years ago, but I believe that the season is upon us in the last three or four weeks. I've been hearing this in my spirit. And then uh, this week I was in a group, a meeting of uh, about 40 uh, apostolic and prophetic gifting uh, gifts. And uh, I heard the Lord just continue to reaffirm this in my heart and so I'm just going to uh, some of what I'll share with you today I shared two or three years ago and others will just be um, uh, fresh from what the Lord is doing amen praise God and so uh, that's how we roll uh, some people say well I heard you preach that before well I've heard you sing that before too amen and so uh, the word of the Lord is powerful it's a living word, and if we'll just receive that word, it'll bring life to us, amen? And uh, so, uh, I, earlier when I was younger preacher, I'd be afraid to do that, but I, I ain't scared. I ain't scared of nothing, amen? And so, I want to go to Titus chapter 2, Titus chapter 2, and this is, this is the phrase I've been hearing in my spirit. And that is, the Jehus are coming. The Jehus are coming. There is a there is an emerging of another generation, and uh, I want to uh, just do my best to lay that out today. Titus chapter two, verse number one. But speaking uh, of the things which is which become sound doctrine that the aged men be sober, grave, tempered, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. Notice with me that he says that these things will become sound doctrine. Amen? And have you ever heard God speak something and, and you heard something preached and it just didn't line up with your theology? didn't line up with what you had been taught all of your life and and you resisted it but uh, you know and you may have even left a little angry about it but then after a season of thinking on it pondering on it praying over it reading the scripture you found out that it was in fact truth right it that it was sound doctrine and uh a lot of times as we uh, grow in the word of the Lord, especially if you've grown up in the church, there are things that, that you may have been taught and out of, uh, 
uh, out of good, uh, meaningful people, right? But it, and they taught it the best they knew how. But uh, whenever, we, whenever there is a revelation that is sound doctrine, then we have to uh, let go of what we believed and grab hold of what we now know as truth. Amen. And uh, so that's what happens throughout all of um, uh, the, the, the advancement of the kingdom of God. Whenever, you know, the, the, the gospel, the message of, of healing doctrine came. Whenever prosperity doctrine came. Uh, these things were taught to the body of Christ and, and they were not quickly grabbed hold of. Some people still resist them. You know, they say, well, that prosperity message, and they ain't, they're not saying it in a positive way, they're saying it in a negative way. But I've tried both ways, and I like prosperity better than I do poverty. Amen. And I appreciate it. I enjoy it. I thank God for money to pay my bills. I thank God that I have food on my table and take care of my family. Come on, somebody. I'm thankful that, that we got a God that wants us to prosper and be in health even as our soul prospers. And so he wants us to be blessed. The doctrine of uh, healing, people didn't believe that, that, you know, that there was a divine healing. But the Bible says, doesn't matter what people says, the Bible says that we should walk in divine health. Amen. That's the will of God, that we walk in divine health. That's another level above healing because divine health means you're living in health. You're not getting healed. It's easier to walk in divine health than it is to get healed. But thank God, God made a way for us to be healed if we do have sickness. Are you with me? Amen. And so these things are things that have been taught. And now for most of the body of Christ, they are sound doctrine and things that we hold on to and we believe because we have been taught and we have uh, seen that it's truth. And now we believe it. Right. In Titus verse two or three, it says there that the older women likewise, that they um, um, be reverent and behave. Um, let me see here. I better look at a bigger. <laughs> Behavior has become holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. The older women are to teach the younger, right? God is wanting to raise up a young, another generation. And we have to have a multi-generational church so that we aren't just one generation or we aren't just liking the flavor of one generation but one generation can speak into another generation. It's the Martha and the Mary. So that both generations can see the vision and the purpose that God has for them to be fulfilled. I've preached on that before. If there wasn't a John, he would the way would have never been prepared for the Jesus, right? But if there wasn't a Jesus, 
then John was dead in the womb of his mother, perhaps, because she never felt him leap until there was a salutation, there was an honoring of Jesus. And when there was an honoring of Jesus and of Mary is when John leaped in his mother's womb. And so it took both of them working together. And God is raising up another generation and this old religious system that has had no uh, insight or vision for future, uh, it is dead. People that are just uh, trying to hold on to some system, some religious system that has, uh, th that's not believing for the future, not investing in the future, not pouring into the future, it is a dead religion. And just because they don't know it's dead doesn't mean that it's not dead. Amen? My, my, I've probably told you this before, but just an example, my grandmother, when my grandfather died, my grandmother kept his clothes in the closet for years. She kept his car in the driveway. It set, uh, when you walked out the door, there was a parking area on the right-hand side. That car sat there for years. She didn't drive it, it didn't move, but she kept that car there. Everything in the house was just like it was the day that he died. She left his clothes in the closet, his pictures were on the wall. Everything was, it, it was as though that she uh, thought as long as uh, it was there that his clothes were in the closet and there was a place in the driveway for his car and the pictures were on the wall that that she could still pretend that he was alive. And I believe that's a picture of religion. That we have been doing this religious system for so long and we've maintained the same old look and if you just keep on doing the things that you've always done, you can still pretend that it has some life to it. Amen. But let me tell you that the religious system, as we have known it, it is not going to die. It is already dead. Amen. It is already dead. There is no life in it, and it is not working. It has not worked for many years. And we have to understand that, that the judgment of God is something that is uh, retained for God and God alone. And the Bible teaches us as long as there is life, there is hope. So therefore, it is not until you die that there is judgment. So away with this foolishness that uh, God's going to get you. Away with this foolishness. Well, the only way God's going to get you is to just shower you with his love and his grace. The Bible said the goodness of God leads a man to repentance. Not the judgment of God, the goodness of God. And, and this religious system that's trying to beat people into some kind of, of, of uh, theology and some kind of system, it's not working, it, never, it hasn't worked, it's out of date, that's the reason why it doesn't work, because we have a new, amen? So we have a new direction. What is that direction? It is the grace of God. It is the goodness of God, amen? And whenever somebody, it doesn't matter who they are, whenever somebody finds out how much God loves them, how much Father God cares about them, and he, we feel his love, his mercy, and his grace, only a fool would reject that kind of love. 
Amen. They would, no one in their right mind would reject that kind of grace and that kind of mercy that leads us to a place that they say, what must I do to be saved? Amen. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 40, it said, and it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would uh, come to his house. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was laying, dying. But as he went, uh, the people thronged him. Notice with me here that he only had one daughter. Amen. There is only one church. Amen. Now I'm not talking about denominations. I'm talking about one church. There is one church. That's God's church. Amen. It's his kingdom. And all this fighting and this inward fighting, it's foolishness. Amen. You're the, if you have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then you're a part of his glorious church. And so there's no use of us fighting amongst one another. Amen. Notice there's one church, one daughter. And the only, he only has this one daughter, and she is 12 years old. <clears throat> Jairus means enlightened one. Jairus has a revelation that will turn the heart of the king. And what will turn the heart of the king? It's his worship, right? And even though people are thronging him, Jairus comes and he is desperate. And he says, I only have one daughter and she is dying. Amen. Scripture makes it clear that she is 12 years old. 12 is the number of governmental. It is uh, the number of kingdom or number. And I believe that there was a little girl. I believe that Jairus was a real man. And this, this is a real story. But I also believe that he is speaking to us prophetically about a season of his church. Amen. She's 12 years old. She is coming into her time of maturity, the time of fruitfulness, a time of a critical age. And the Bible says that when she's coming into her fruitful years, she finds instead of being fruitful, she finds herself dying. Amen. 12 years represents, she was representing another generation that is waiting for the manifestation of the kingdom of God. And I believe that there is a generation that is waiting now to see the manifestation of God. She is at the age of fruitfulness and Jesus is on his way to her but he can't get to her because the people are in his way. The press, the, all of these are around her. And in verse 43, the Bible said, And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years would spend all of her living upon the physicians, neither could be healed of any, and came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stopped. Amen. She'd spent all of her money. Everything was gone. Nothing in the natural could help her, right? 
And this is when uh, she desperately stops Jesus and says that I need you to help me. Amen. This is what I want you to see. This man is desperate that his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, is dying. And he is leading Jesus to his house to, to raise his daughter that is dying up from this sick situation. And at the last thing that he needed is for him to stop and give his attention to someone else. Right? But we see that there's enough of Jesus to go around. Tell your neighbor there's enough Jesus to go around. Just because he gives somebody else a blessing doesn't mean you missed out on your blessing. Just because he healed somebody else's body doesn't mean he don't have enough to heal your body. There is, God is unlimited in his power. Amen? Have you ever felt like just before you got yours, someone else stepped up and got theirs? And you just wonder, well, what about my miracle? I, I've prayed, I've believed God, I've trusted God, and it seems like they just sashayed in here and got theirs. What's up with all of that? Right? But you see, you've got God sometimes will check our hearts. Because if you can't be happy for somebody else's miracle, there's no need of thinking you're going to get a miracle. But we've got to learn how to celebrate one another's blessings. Amen? Because if God can't trust you to celebrate somebody else, how's he going to trust you with the blessing? Amen? He's got Jesus going to his house, and then some old woman gets his attention. This 12-year-old girl, this girl, girl is, uh, is 12 years old. This woman has been sick for 12 years. Amen? What if this old woman represents the church? And if this little girl is representing the next generation? Could it be that the next generation can't get healed until the old woman gets healed of her infirmity? Amen. Because what good is it to raise up another generation from the dead and bring them into a sick system that's bleeding to death. Are you with me? But Jesus in his infinite wisdom will take time to stop and heal the bleeding old woman before he goes and raises up another generation to bring them into the system. So that when they get into the system, the system isn't bleeding and dying so that, that she just raises up from the dead to go back into another dead system. But God is wanting us to understand today that his church is not a dead system. His church is not something that's dying. His church is something that has resurrection power in it. Glory to God. And so what we have to understand is this, is that we are not a part of something that is dying. We're a part of something that is resurrecting. And even though I've told you the statistics over and over again, and it, it bears out, if you look at numbers, you will see that the church in America is dying. It, it, Islam 
is running rapid in America. And the, and the Christian church is depleting quicker than it ever has. The system is sick. It's dying. It's depleting. And another generation is dying, right? And we need Jesus, <laughs> the Lord of the church, to not only resurrect another generation, but heal this generation, this church, so that when we bring in the next generation, we'll not be sick and weak and bleeding and dying, but we'll be full of power and life and strength so that we can take the good news of the kingdom into this last and final generation and reap the glorious harvest that God intends for his church to reap. Amen. See, Jesus knew if he raised up this new generation and gave it to the same old bleeding church that it would still die. Amen. This woman is not legally supposed to be even be in the crowd. She is, she's in this group of people and she's not even supposed to be there. But, but he's on a mission, Jesus is on a mission to the next generation when she reaches out and touches him, right? See, one woman chose to break the law and come into public bleeding, right? She's not bleeding from her nose. She is bleeding from the place where that they can only bring a healing by a be either becoming pregnant or having a hysterectomy. You understand. Could it be that this bleeding church is dying today because we will not receive the word of God and get pregnant with the word so that our bleeding and our issues will stop and we can bring life to another generation? Because it isn't that we don't hear the word, it is that we don't receive the word. We don't apply the word. We don't take the word and adapt it to our life until our life is radically changed by the word. And so you see, it's harder to get most in most churches today than it is to clear the security at the airport. Why? Because we want to check everybody out before we let them in. Got to check them out for addiction. We gotta check them out. What do you believe? What do you think? You think there's one God or three gods? Do you think that it's, it's and all of this craziness and we wanting all of this stuff? Yes, doctrine is important. I've spent two weeks teaching on doctrine. It's important, but I'm telling you today, what's more important than that is that we allow people into the kingdom of God that are broken, that are addicted, that are messed up, and say, "Yes, come as you are," and believe that. Our our God is still big enough to break the addiction off of their life, break the issues off of their life, bring hope back to their life. Why? Because they believe the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord found them where they were and healed them of their bleeding issues. Amen. Jairus is enlightened and he says, I've got to do what I've got to do because I've got to take this man to my house right 
But Jesus knew before he could raise this girl from the dead, he had to heal this bleeding woman. Amen. There's nothing wrong with the organism of the church. There's nobody that loves the church. You want to you wanna have a word with me? Just start talking bad about the church. Amen. I know there's this mess going on, especially in America, where you don't need the church and you can, you can be saved and not go to church and all of that. And, and bless your little heart. You're right. You can go to heaven without going to church, but why would you want to? Amen. Well, there's just this and that. Well, you ain't all that either. Just go look in the mirror. You'll see you're not all of that in a bag of cheese and some government cheese. You'll, you'll realize you messed up. You've fallen short. Huh? Come on. We all, and, and if, you're, if you're just, if you're perfect, then you don't need God. <laughs> Amen. But the kingdom of God. We, 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 we get messed up. Sometimes we get so saved that we forget where God brought us from. Don't ever get so saved. Get saved, but don't ever get so saved that you forget where he brought you from. Don't ever get so saved that you don't forget that you were that worldly and that you were full of sin, that you had been shaping iniquity, born into sin, and, and you too had to call on a Savior and say, forgive me of my sin and wash me clean because I can't do it myself. Glory to God. And he was just faithful and willing to bring you out of that horrible pit and set your feet upon a solid and a firm foundation and write your name in the Lamb's book of life. And he wants to do that for all of these other folks. Amen. The message of the kingdom takes religion off of the throne and puts God back on the throne. Religion has been on the throne for so long that it doesn't want to relinquish old woman could Jesus the, the Bible said they were thronging him he didn't pay no attention to him right but this one illegal woman that broke the law that day she she came out of the religious system that said you can't do that and nothing else but she bare, dared to take a risk, take a chance to even come out into public. Everyone is touching him, but she's the only one that was drawing virtue from him. She was not given a name because she was a nobody. She represents all of us. Amen. She was full of shame and her life was a mess, but she knew that Jesus was the only one that could help her. He says, the only one that I'm giving a spotlight to here today is this woman right here. Amen. I know all of you are thronging, all of you are calling out, but this is the one. And he points her out and he says, who touched me? And as she has fallen to the ground, he says, woman, your faith has made you whole. Amen. I want to tell you today that, that I'm thankful for that today because that qualifies me. Amen. If it, if it had been up to someone else, you would have never made it. If it had been up to someone else, you would have never survived. If it had been up to someone else, you would have already lost your mind. But you made it today. And the most powerful thing about you is you are still here. 
Amen. That tells me it's a testimony against the devil because if the devil could have taken you out, he would have already done it. But the very fact that you're sitting in this place this morning is a testimony against the devil that greater is he that is in you than all that hell can bring against you. Glory to God. The religious system is all concerned about how you look. You got to look real good even if you're a mess inside. But God is trying to get us to a place where we're free from our issues. Amen. We divide over things that the Bible don't even talk about. While another generation is dying in Jairus' house. Jairus means enlightened one. There's a generation of enlightened ones that are waiting for us to get over our issues so that they can be raised up from the dead and be able to see the goodness of God. There's a generation arising, a new season in the church. Amen. A new season in the church. God's going to do some things that's going to stretch us. And we're going to say we ain't never seen it like that before. But just because you haven't seen it like that before doesn't mean that it isn't God at work. Amen. That's the reason why we've got to know the spirit. Try the spirit. See if it be of God. Why? Because I've never seen it like this. But what spirit is it? Amen. So I've got to walk in the spirit. I've got to know the spirit. What, what spirit's behind this? And then over here in 2 Kings chapter 9. Is everybody happy? That was my introduction. 2 Kings chapter 9. Let me read some of this if I can see it. And now you got your glasses. I need some. Because I forgot mine. I look cute. <laughs> Verse 4 says, So the young man and the servant of the prophet went to uh, Gilad, and when he arrived, there were a captains of the army sitting, and he said, I have a message for you, commander. Jehu said, For which one of us? And he said, For you, commander. And then he arose and went into the house and he poured oil on his, his head and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord over Israel. And you shall strike down the house of Ahab your master that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of the servants of the Lord and the, at the hand of Jezebel. Amen. God calls one of his of the sons of the prophets and told him, I'm going to anoint you to go and to destroy Jezebel. Jehu is anointed. Jehu was a man's man. You know, 
Everything today in our culture is trying to take the manliness out of a man. They want to make them gender benders. They want to make them weak. It's true. They've been working on this for a long time. That's the reason why all these sitcoms make fathers look like idiots. So you can dummy it down in the mind of a generation so that you can disqualify a man from being a man. Amen. You know, if, if uh, all these sitcoms have made it out to every man's a Barney Fife and they don't know how to tie their own shoes and they're a blooming idiot and uh, so a generation has rose up and, and think that that, that Men aren't men. But Jehu wasn't one of those. He was a man's man. And I won't read all of this here for the sake of time because it looks like I've done, been up here a minute. But he was bad. He was skilled, the Bible says, he was skilled with the bow. And uh, the Jehovah, the Bible said that Jehoram came and asked him, he said, are, are you in peace? And Jehu said, there is no peace as long as your mother is working her witchcraft, right? There's a lot of witchcraft going on in our nation today. And Jehoram goes and he, he turns and runs and whenever he turns and runs in his chariot, he's not on a horse, he's in a chariot, and Jehu picks up his bow. This is all in the scripture. You don't even have to watch gun smoke. He picks up his bow. He pulls it back. The Bible says to full strength. And he shoots it. And he hits Jehoram between the shoulder blades. And the arrow comes out his heart. He's bad with the bow. The bow is his gift. Right now, he's not the first one that went. He had already sent other servants ahead of him. And whenever they got to Jehu, Jehu said, shut up and get behind me. And they did it. Right. He sends one of them. He says, shut up and get behind me. He shut up and got behind him. He sent another one. He said, shut up and get behind me. He did the same thing. He got behind him. The anointing that was on Jehu caused those that had come for confrontation to line up with his vision. I'm saying something now. And there is an anointing that has come upon this, the church and the kingdom of God in this season that's causing people. Now people say, well, I don't know if those people can be saved or not. Uh, but let me tell you something. There, the anointing will cause people to line up with the vision of God. And I don't care how wicked they are. I don't care if it's Ozzy Osbourne. I don't care if it's uh, some porn star. I don't care if it's whatever the mess they've been in. Right? I don't even know none of these singers. All I know is I hear about them. Bieber or something. Right? And I hear all this stuff in the church about, well, can old Bieber or Justin or whatever, Beaver, I'll call him Beaver. 
I don't know what his name is. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Well, he can't be a Christian. Uh, you know, he, what, blah, blah, blah. And who said he couldn't? When the anointing comes, it'll cause people to get in line with the vision of God. Just because somebody is gifted and talented, they can't be saved. Just because somebody was in sin, let me remind you of your sin. No, I'm not going to do that. Huh? But because they're on a limelight or they're on a pedestal, God can't call them. He can take the platform that has been created in the world and use it the greatest pulpit that the world has ever seen. A lot of these people that, that and, and I know I'm getting off on rabbit trails today, but a lot of these people, what I've noticed is this. A lot of folks that, are, that are, I hear about that are coming to God in this season, that it's not new for them. They've been raised up in Pentecostal churches. A lot of them, their parents were pastors, but they rebelled against a dead system. Are you hearing me? They rebelled against a dead system and they went into the world and they did their own thing. But there's an anointing coming, a Jehu anointing that's calling a generation back to God. That's calling a generation out of the sin and saying, line up with the will of God. Line up with the vision of God. Line up with what God's doing in this season. Hallelujah. And so the bow was a gift to Jehu and he sharpened his skill. He used it and he was bad with it because he, he knew how to use it. He was gifted, he was skilled to take Jehoram out, right? And I want to say to you that God gives us giftings and he gives us skills and we need to hone those skills. Whatever that is, if it's singing, if it's musicians, if it is teaching, if whatever those skills are, we need God gives us those skills and we need to hone those and we need to use those for the glory of God. But let me note you to notice that that Jehu took out Jehoram by his skills. There's some things that your skills will get you through. There's other things that your skills and your gifting will not give you or have enough ability to get you where God is going to take you. And that's what happened. Jehoram was in the way of where God was taking Jehu. And so he used his gift and his skill to get him there. But when he got there, it was the anointing that he used to take Jezebel out. Jezebel doesn't mess with you when you're a nobody. When you're not doing anything. It waits until you have a name like father or mother huh it waits until you have accomplished something become someone until until you become a leader of something it doesn't matter if it's at work it's, it doesn't matter if you're a husband a father a mother a public leader a pastor a leader in the church whatever it is and then when you come to that place that's whenever that this this uh, this spirit comes to try to assassinate you because it's not interested in only taking you out it is interested in taking your whole family out it's interested in taking a church out it's interested in taking a community out, right? 
And when you awaken to that fact that you're a mighty man or a woman of God, it is then that the Spirit comes to destroy you and will cause you to become tired of doing the right things. Amen. Just get weary in well-doing. It'll bring a spirit of depression over you that will try to overwhelm you and cause you to give up and want to die underneath the juniper tree. The spirit has taken out many mighty men and women of God, but Jehu is anointed to take it out. Glory to God. Notice he was very skilled and gifted, but as you read this, let me, do I have time to read this? I want to read it. Verse 24 is where I was talking about. I'm not going to read that. He pulled his bow back full strength, shot Jehoram. He's bad. But in verse 30, it says, Now when Jehu come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she put paint on her eyes and adorned her head and looked through a window. Right? Now, how many know the old system that's dead would tell you that and preach about a woman wearing ear bobs and makeup? I don't guess I got any real people in here. And tell you how that a woman ought not wear that kind of Jezebel stuff. Right? And we as struggling carrying on with that kind of mess and the devil was laughing that's right because it wasn't about no paint and earrings it was about a spirit amen she looked through the window and then jehu entered at the gate and she said is it peace uh, Zimmerah, murder of your master. And he looked up at the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? So two or three eunuchs looked out at him. Then he said, Throw her down. And so they threw her down, and some of the blood splattered on the wall and on the horses and trampled her underfoot. Amen. This is what I want you to see. Jehu comes into town. Jezebel hears of it. The Bible says she paints herself up because she has been used to prettying herself up and seducing the men. It worked for her in the past. But it didn't work with Jehu because there's anointing on his life that takes out that spirit. Right? And so Jehu comes into town, and here Jezebel is. She's, she's uh, uh, got herself in the place that has helped her to win the battles in the past, does what she has done in the past to get victory. And now Jehu looks at her, and he's, he, she calls him a murderer. And then uh, he, he just doesn't even pay no attention to that because the devil always wants to get you caught up in a worthless fight. 
He always wants to get you in a battle that don't have any reward to it, right? And, and Jehu is anointed and he don't even pay any attention to, to the accusations that are being hurled at him. And he stays focused on the point. And now he looks and now remember, there's already been these other people that have got behind him. Right? They ride into town with him instead of against him. And now Jehu makes another cry out and he says, who is with me? Right? He's looking for somebody else in the city to be with him. And the most unlikely people in the city to be with Jehu stick their head out the window. Amen. Three eunuchs stick their head out the window. The anointing stirred up something on the inside of these men. Huh? Now, what, now, you know, I don't want to go through any kind of biological classes here today. But the eunuchs were castrated. Amen? Cut off the ability, took away the ability from them to ever reproduce. This means that they took away their boldness. You know, whenever you castrate an animal, I don't know about people, like, you know, guess it's getting normal or whatever. I don't know if it's normal, but they're trying to do it. But when you castrate an animal, what you're trying to do is to take that edge away from them, that aggression away from them, that boldness away from them, right? And that they are not able to reproduce. And this is what we see that whenever Jehoram ro rode into uh, to town, or Jehu, sorry, Jehu rode into town, he, he speaks and says, who's on my side? And the only ones that spoke up were these eunuchs. These men that had been castrated, these men that they wanted to take their boldness away, that wanted to take their aggression away, where they wouldn't stand for nothing. Can I tell you, that's what um, this American uh, culture is trying to do to the church. It's trying to take our boldness away. It's trying to take that aggressive spirit that is not by might nor by power. It's what our forefathers built the kingdom of God upon. And we heard it all through as we grew up. We didn't see, sing any passive songs. We sing songs like I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. If you're going to fight the fight, then you've got to keep on the firing line they they spoke with authority they spoke with boldness and now they want the church to be timid and passive and uh, make just accept anything but the devil is a liar God says I'm sending Jehu with an anointing and I'm going to raise up those nobodies I'm going to raise up those ones that felt they missed the opportunity that they have not had any boldness they've not been aggressive they've lost their ability to reproduce but God said in this season I'm going to raise up some nobodies to do some supernatural things I'm going to release my spirit of Jehu upon a generation that other people have counted out and said they'll be nothing but God's going to use them to do what other generations never was able to do At Jehu's word, these unlikely, 
these weak, seemingly anemic, unable to reproduce, suddenly found the boldness to do what they always wanted to do. How many know they wanted to throw uh, Jezebel out that window a lot of times? But they never could get the boldness to do it. They couldn't get the courage to do it. They couldn't find it on the inside of them. But now an anointing had come. Glory to God. An anointing. What is the anointing? The gifting is something that you hone. The gifting is something that you use. That God gives you for your gifting and your talent. But that anointing enables you to do supernaturally what you cannot do naturally. And the anointing had come to town. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm telling you prophetically the anointing is coming to the American church and those who have been counted out those who thought they had missed it are going to find the anointing and in the anointing a holy boldness is going to rise up on the inside of them and we're going to see miracles and we're going to see the, the enemy be defeated in the street this isn't going to be some private thing this isn't going to be on the back side of town somewhere this JJ Jezebel was thrown out in the city street. And I want to tell you the anointing of God is coming to town. And when it comes, it's not going to be in a quiet place, on a secluded place, on the backside of the desert. No, God's finished with that. He's raising up a church in this last day that's going to expose the devil in the city street. And the power of God is going to be revealed. Signs and wonders and miracles are going to be poured out upon on this last day church he's going to undo overdo and outdo everything the devil has ever done there's not going to be a trace of an enemy and the greater works of the kingdom will be established in this last day church He's looking for people that feel like they've been disqualified. People that thought that they would never be able to do anything in the kingdom of God. They were just holding on and hoping they made it to heaven. But I've come with good gospel news to you today. If you can hear the word of the Lord like Jehu released that word and those eunuchs grabbed hold of it. If you can grab hold of this word of the Lord today, it's going to cause you to be fertile again. It's going to cause you... For signs and wonders and miracles. You're going to be fruitful in this season of your life. You're not just going to hold on. You're going to destroy the enemy's camp. Your sons and your daughters will be saved. You'll prophesy in the name of the Lord. You'll declare the works of the Lord. You'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You're going to hone your skills and your skills. And the devil is going to be defeated. And the kingdom of God is going to be advanced. Oh, don't you give up on this church it's the greatest hour of the church and God's going to do it in America I said he's going to do it in America He's going to pour his spirit out and Jehus are going to rise up from the north, the south, the east and the west. The sons and the daughters of God are going to take their rightful place and under the anointing they're going to do everything this Bible said we're supposed to do. Oh, come on and give him praise right here today. When you come to this season of your life, when you come to where we are today, yes, you use your skills, you use your talent, but you don't depend on your gift and your talent. You depend on the anointing. And that anointing is going to kill the Jezebels. I said that anointing is going to kill the Jezebels.
I said that anointing is going to destroy the Jezebels and it's going to destroy the works of the enemy and the kingdom of God is going to rise up in power and authority. Glory to God. If I didn't believe it, I'd quit. Amen. I said if I didn't believe it, I'd quit. Because this system that we have seen for years is dead. But there is a real church. <laughs> there is a real anointing. Amen. And it destroys the yoke and removes the burden. Amen. I'm almost done. I probably am. About 10 minutes ago. But this anointing will destroy the yoke and remove the burden. Christianity is not a burden. It's a joy. And if you're living under a burden and you don't have Christianity, you've got religion. Amen. I heard people used to get up and testify about how hard it was to serve the Lord. And how rough it was. And no, the Bible says, I, I don't. The Bible says the way of a transgressor is hard. <laughs> but he said the way of the Lord gets brighter and brighter every day. Amen. Amen. What road are you traveling? What are you depending on? I'll tell you what I'm depending on. I'm depending on the Jehu anointing to come into this season. I hope that you can hear me prophetically today. Amen. Some people have asked me before, why don't the gifts of the Spirit, why don't you see the, I, I, you know, and I've told them, I said, because I prophesy every Sunday. Amen. And I'm not saying that arrogantly, but I'm prophesying to you today. Something you can't see yet, but I'm telling you it's coming. I'm telling you it's coming. I've heard it two, three years ago. I've heard it again fresh in this season that there are Jehus are coming. There's an anointing that's coming that's going to release upon the sons and the daughters of God. People that thought they were outnumbered. People that thought that they, they done missed it. People that thought they were every, they're doing all the right stuff but they're not being productive. But in this season the anointing's coming to cause you to be productive in the day of this season. Amen. The anointing. What is the anointing? The anointing is the presence of Jesus. Wherever Jesus is, the anointing is. Because he is the anointed one. <laughs> Amen? I said he is the anointed one. And the anointing, when the anointing comes, it destroys yokes, it removes burdens, it heals the sick, it sets the captive free, it delivers the oppressed, it gives hope to the hopeless, it gives help to the helpless. And I'm depending on the anointing and the anointed one in this season for the American church. Amen. Stand with me, please.